Time and again, the world bears witness to truths seldom said. Lend an ear. We promise enlightened, informed conversation. My name is Robert, and this is Seldom Said, the place where conversation matters. Welcome back. The program is called Seldom Said. My name is Robert. Special guest today, Mr. Sean Reynolds, co-creator of Voices for Creative Nonviolence. Sean has just recently returned from Tehran, the capital of Iran, and he's going to share his experiences and his opinions with us. We are most pleased to have you, Sean. Bob, I'm, uh, thank you very much. And a uh, co-coordinator, I was not there at the beginning. Indeed. Okay. We'll make that expertise relevant. If we, <laughs> if we were to talk about your background, uh, personal background, who you are, where you've been, and what's brought you to this time and place. Um, I grew up in New York City. I came to Chicago for college. I uh, bumped around for uh, a, a good many years, wondering what my life was supposed to be about, and gravitated towards activism. That's really a pricey for an exciting life. When you say activism, every poet from here to doomsday will have their own definition of it. How do you, perchance, define activism yourself, Sean? Um, uh, being a general busybody, or perhaps um, looking on a, a nominally democratic government as the business of um, all the people living in the democracy. Um, our government is, uh, um, has power and sway over so much of the world, and people where we, we tend to forget over people who don't get to vote in our elections. Um, so I also feel that citizenship, trying to steer the course of our government is a duty on behalf of all the people who are affected um, by our incredible power in the world. Um, and so it's, uh, I, 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 it's, it's, it's a, a bit of a vision of what humanity should be. Humanity should be involved um, in uh, democracy um, and uh, in, in protecting people outside our democracy from our democracy. Do you feel that people who act as you do are the exception? And if so, why? Um, Lord, it's, um, I, uh, I think everyone is involved um, to some extent, and I'm not as involved as I ought to be. Um, so I, uh, everyone is an exception in their particular level of involvement. But I, I would like to see America much more um, convinced in its own founding principles and its own democratic principles and in the notion that um, grassroots democracy um, is the purpose of our country. The grassroots democracy is, is acceptable. Um, the more wealthy um, and the more educated, sadly, um, people get in this country, the more convinced they are that they seem to get that the poor and the poorly educated um, shouldn't have uh, that much of an influence in in our country. And I think that the more the more convinced you get that some sort of um, whether it's a market process or some sort of process of civilization or um, inevitable increasing complexity is going to take care of our future. Um, and is going to take care of the people around us, for us, and we can sit back. We tend to think that we're our society is evolving towards um, a hands-off society, a self-driving car, if you will. Um, 
and we've taken our hands off the wheel too early. If that's ever getting here, um, we really need to drive the car for a bit longer until it does and, uh, and to take care of our neighbors and not assume that, um, that this system is taking care of itself. It, it isn't. Does that make you an optimist in a very pessimistic world? <laughs> no. Um, uh, um, uh, Christopher Lash, who I've been very fond of and uh, reading over the last few years, uh, um, a sort of a left populist author, um, writes about the difference between optimism and hope. And uh, optimism would be the hands-off notion of, uh, of, of that the world will be fine whether or not I engage with it. Whereas hope could arise out of a deep pessimism, but a notion that there is some sort of um, justice operative in the world uh nominal or, or 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 real some sort of there's 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 likely to be some sort of payback if we work to or try to get the causes and people we love through what might be a very dark time um and i'm one of the more pessimistic people here at voices i don't mean to cast that tone onto the rest of the group um but no i think uh, um, i i'm i'm hopeful because there's really nothing else to do our friend our late friend studs turkle um, uh, had a book of interviews, I think, including Kathy. That was the, the, the one where he interviewed her. It was called Hope Dies Last. Um, living without hope is, is, is a luxury. Living without hope is, hope might be the opposite of idleness, um, whereas optimism is way too consistent with idleness. So I prefer to be a pessimist and uh, work for the best outcomes we can bring through. Are you subscribing to that old saw, hope for the best, prepare for the worst? I guess I am. Indeed. Is there a moment, Sean, a, an epiphany, if you will, when a young man who is obviously intellectually oriented decided to point their lives in this direction? Um, the late Alexander Coburn uh, wrote a Nation article saying, everyone should volunteer for Voices for Creative Nonviolence. He was a... Uh, uh, um, um, a big supporter of our work. And I started to volunteer for Voices for Creative Nonviolence. I actually, um, it was, it was very silly. I, uh, I phoned them. I came by late after work. I was working late in those days. I got a, um, box full of leaflets and flyers off their doorstep because they were very indulgent people with, uh, um, uh, odd young men. And I wound up doing some sort of solo protest outside of Water Tower Place, ranting something ineffective about the Iraq sanctions, um, which was the focus. It, the, the group was named uh, Voices in the Wilderness at the time, and I'm sure we'll get back to that history. Um, uh, after that rather pointless exercise on my part, in which I never meant, met any members of the group, I just picked up the literature off their door. Um, I joined the Green Party. Um, I worked for the uh, 2000 Nader campaign. So if anyone feels I elected President Bush, I'm sorry. Um, but at the same time, some gambles have to be taken uh, whether or not we win. And perhaps if there is a movement away from our downward spiral into authoritarianism and uh, and uh, uh, terrifying political pathology, um, if there's a path out of that, I'd like to believe that uh, the, the Nader campaign helped set that up. I do believe it was worth it. Um, and I bounced around uh, Chicago um, 
uh, political scene for the last 20 years, getting more and more integrated back into voices um, uh, to the point where I'm, uh, I'm happy. I don't know. I think I've left behind the idea of an epiphany. Um, it was a gradual, a gradual state of, uh, of alarm at uh, what needed to be done um, in the country. As the country, I would say, has worsened. Um, um, and uh, so that was my, uh, yeah, there's, there's no epiphany, just a, a growing unease. Those of us who are products of a very activist 60s remember that youth responded to challenge. Are there efforts made by Voices to reach young audiences, either educationally or socially? Um, my. Uh, we've been working with the Afghan Peace Volunteers in Kabul, um, and that was originally the um, Afghan Youth Peace Volunteers, if I remember. Um, Kathy goes on, uh, Kathy in particularly, um, goes on school retreats and uh, has a a rather vigorous speaking schedule interrupted recently when she broke her hip and she's recovering very well from that. Um, um, so a lot of our youth work is well around the incredible energy we're finding in, 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 in our, uh, among our activist friends in Kabul. Um, but we've been, we accept all speaking invitations and uh, we, I, we don't expect speaker. We don't accept speaker fees. Um, um, we don't have youth programs here, although, and, and the, uh, um, the activist cadre here at the house has tended to be younger in the past. Um, I think we have someone in her thirties. Um, but no, not much of, uh, um, we, I, I, I suppose, I hope that answers your question. Indeed it does. It leaves the door open to judge as to what the future might hold how we can produce another generation of people who are as activists as they were in 1968. Noam Chomsky argues that the young are more activists than they were then. He, he, he talks about the first, the early years of the Vietnam War when protests would be a few academics um, meeting in a basement to avoid having their meeting in, in, in secret, to avoid having their meeting broken up. Um, in the lead up to the uh, 2003 Iraq War, um, we saw an unprecedented uh, mobilization to stop a war before it began. Um, and the uh, organizing around uh, some voices has not endorsed this, though several of us have volunteered or donated the, uh, the Bernie Sanders campaign. Um, um, there's, 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 there's a lot that's incredibly hopeful in that youth activism. Um, not to slag off the, or not to, not to, not to disrespect the people who, who fought against uh, um, the Vietnam War, um, especially in its latter years. And there's reason to believe that, um, again, this is Chomsky's analysis. We want our goals. His take is that we want our goals in, 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 in Vietnam, which was to say to make an example, specifically of South Vietnam, um, to make sure that other countries in the region wouldn't attempt uh, to break free of our of, of uh, economic vassalage. Um, and but that it was partly the changes uh, being made on our culture and 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 uh, among the youth in America um, that eventually we 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 called out that exercise. Okay, we won, and this isn't helping. And and our leaders uh, um, and our business class were willing to end the war um, because of the youth activism. Um, I think Nixon wrote that. 
uh, I was thinking of using nukes, but I saw the pushback that we got, um, that we had gotten up to that point, and I realized it wasn't feasible. In every age, even when we don't stop a war, um, we have to consider that whatever that, that our, our protest is deterring our leaders from trying something even worse. Uh, for instance, an immediate jump to an Iran war, which uh, the deranged people, the occupants of the White House, were putting out uh, were putting out uh, trial balloons. Uh, uh, um, the fact that we fought as hard as we did over Iraq um, is likely a good reason that we haven't uh, committed the even worse atrocity of uh, of beginning a regional war in Iran. And, and talking comparing atrocities is 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 a bit dreadful and blasphemous in the context of something as nightmarish as the Iraq War. What were the circumstances that prompted you to go to Iran? And what was your reaction to the circumstances on the ground there? Um, we didn't see much of the rather terrible impact of the sanctions. Um, it's a very proud country. Um, and we were in uh, Tehran, uh, the capital, and in the tourist city of Isfahan. Um, and uh, uh, folks... We're, 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 we're trying to show the face of Iranian strength. And I mean, ordinary Iranians. Um, uh, it's, it's, I think it's poll, it polls as, I believe it is polled as the most patriotic country on earth, which for an underdog, I quite admire. Um, um, and so while we tried to get a, a sense of the sanctions, we went to a, um, to the Tehran Peace Museum. Which is staffed, I think, quite appropriately by um, wounded veterans of the uh, um, um, uh, 1980 to 1988 uh, Iraq-Iran War, where, with U.S. backing, um, Saddam Hussein, then our ally, invaded Iran um, right after their revolution when he thought it would be weak, and it, you know, was much weaker than it had been, um, attacking it with uh, World War One era chemical weapons. Um, which we had helped with, which we had helped, you know, that we supplied um, Saddam with the precursors of the weapons, and we were helping him target um, to, to, we were helping him to aim the bombs. Um, and we met a, uh, uh, a man whose eyes were damaged with the, uh, with the, the chemical agent. We were told the sanctions, he can't get his eye drops, so he uses onions uh, to make them cry regularly, um, which is a medical necessity for him. Um, we didn't hear, I mean, people, people were, were, were unhappy with the situation with jobs and with the economy, um, which has gotten progressively worse. But we were at a center, we were in one of the urban centers. So we weren't looking at most of the, at the hardest hit places. How then would you respond to those who might look at your organization and listen to these comments, Sean, and say, there's a certain amount of real politic that's necessary in dealing with foreign adversaries, so to speak, the commonality of humanity are often separates from the reality of the circumstance that one has to operate from strength, that Bismarckian kind of ideology. How do you respond to that view? I am so sorry that the Skype, in, that for the, at the start of that question, the Skype call was cutting out a little, and I didn't hear all of it. It sounded intriguing. <laughs> no problem at all. We'll repeat it. Bismarck had this philosophy of blood and iron, of adversarial foreign policies, of acting from strength. 
since the turn of the 20th century, we've all been involved on this planet in contests of strength. How do you respond to those who say it's rather naive to reach out one's hand and risk it being cut off? The naivete we see all around us. Um, um, if, if we regard people in the third world as um, having lives as valuable as ours, then the naivete of thinking that things will work out for them if we merely allow the United States to uh, um, to proceed as it's been doing, that's that's uh, uh, um, um, incredibly tragic. Um, and 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 it, uh, as with your question, it's 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 a lethal naivete. Um, I would extend that here. We we when when um, General Qasem Soleimani was assassinated. Um, we thought we were on the brink, and we we're not very far from the brink, of a regional war that might spark into World War III. Um, uh, uh, um, we shouldn't, with, with the climate catastrophe, with the uh, um, continuing presence, uh, with, with our continuing, uh, um, um, the worsening, um, it's, now it's going to be hypersonic missiles, the worsening, or worsening nu nuclear arsenal, with uh, global inequality seeming to drive a uh, uh, a return, a global return to the far right um, that we haven't seen the worst of yet. Um, I, I think it becomes uh, suicidally naive. Um, this, Sean, if I may, if you, uh, this yes. is a marvelous train of thought, and I do want to follow it to fruition. We're about to enter our first station break. I'll be back in a few seconds. Please to hold that thought. We're a world on edge, and presently this program is a conversation on edge. This is Seldom Said. My name is Robert. You're listening to a podcast from LIU Studios. If you like what you're hearing, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to this show on your podcast app of choice. For more of our programs or to support LIU Studios, visit wcwp.org. This is Seldom Said with Robert Amato. Welcome back. The program is seldom said. My name is Robert. Special guest, Mr. Sean Reynolds, representing Voices for Creative Nonviolence. Sean, if you would take that thought that you beautifully began outlining before the break and take the listeners through your answer to this question of having power in order to have peace. Uh, um, having power in order to have peace. Um, uh Oh Lord, there's a uh, a movie. I, uh, there's there's a William Burroughs quote that begins a, a William Burroughs themed movie. I like um, um, hustlers of the world. There is one mark you cannot beat: the mark inside. Um, mark is 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 I, I guess a, a victim of a confidence game or, or someone to be. It, the U.S. has incredible power. We're the history's um, most history's most powerful and and most dangerous empire. Um, but if that power seduces us to um, um, uh, ravage the world and turn it against us, um, to distract the world from the coming um, climate catastrophe, uh, to madden the world into what uh, into into larger and larger um, instability, um, and all this with weapons of mass destruction, nuclear weapons, um, which uh, uh, of, of which we have a great store. Um, then our power is 
is is is likely to be is is we can expect our power to be turned against us um and uh, we become our worst enemy um we we're, we our power isn't making us safe it's making us mad i think the the quote i i i love is is uh, whom the gods would destroy they first make mad and uh maybe we they've got it in for us if they've allowed us to become a global superpower on this scale uh it was uh i think it was the lincoln douglas debates abraham lincoln it, it was I, I know the date because it was September 11th of 1858, um, and he asked, you know, what what constitutes the bulwark of our of our independence? And he said it it isn't. He gave a few praise to the military, um, people who are making uh, great sacrifices. Uh, we feel generally in um, in uh, unworthy causes, um, but uh, um, that isn't the intention of our soldiers. And, and and I, it's a policy for many of us working at Voices to never blame a soldier for a war. Um, he, he moves on from that patriotic sentiment to say um, all of our all of our strength can be turned against us, um, um, and it's the love of of freedom everywhere that keeps us free. Um, and if you, he was speaking on the Dred Scott decision. Um, if you're comfortable with your neighbor being enslaved, you've prepared the chains for your own. Uh, you prepared the chains for your own arms. Um, and so I think that that Bismarckian strength that we've coveted um is uh, uh those are chains we've prepared for ourselves do you feel then extending this a step further and playing devil's advocate that jeffersonian democracy can be exported or should we as a world nuclear power simply reach out and allow people to develop as they will um we could start if we wanted to <laughs> export democracy we could begin by um propping up fewer of the world's dictatorships um if you consider that we have military bases and i think two-thirds of the world's countries please forgive me if i've got that wrong um if you consider the size of our arms exports um which tends to go up um again i i'm falling back on chomsky where he talks about how when a country is maximizing its human rights abuses is when we tend to send it the most military aid um yeah, um, if you consider the 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 vast sort of dictatorial syndicate that we enforce around the world, as I mean, our country is a democracy, not a very functional one, but our empire, our sphere of influence, is a dictatorship uh, that we run. And uh, if we wanted to encourage, promote democracy around the world, the first thing to do would be to withdraw our power, um, become. Uh, cognizant of how much tyranny we are enforcing through underlings, through um, through all these dictators who are uh, turn out to be our mob soldiers, um, and s retire from the job of mob boss. How often does the mob boss make it to the end of the movie? Mightn't we want to be in a different movie by the time this ends? When we knock over a country because they have a dictatorship, as with Saddam, that he had been our our our, our, our staunch ally um, throughout the uh, throughout his worst atrocities against against Iran, against his own Kurdish uh, citizens. Um, when we turned on him, suddenly the fact that he was a dictator meant that he had to be stopped and he had to be taken down. But all of our other client dictators still functioning. I mean, all we need to do to make some step towards global democratization is to stop giving them guns to shoot their own people with. 
And in any war where we're presented with it, for instance, Iran um, has a, they have a parliament, they have consequential elections. And we were in the parliament when the word came down from the governing council, that thing you voted on yesterday, no, <laughs> uh, try again. And that's not a democracy, although it's more democratic than what we would, what would likely come out of a U.S. invasion. But if you look at um, Saudi Arabia, they're one of their two uh, a fierce regional rivals, one of our two fiercest servants around the world, um, uh, who, who we're, we're clearing a path for them because that clears a path for us. And uh, um, the uh, I don't I believe they've uh, uh, they beheaded people in the triple figures this year. Um, and I, I we've been voices has been protesting them along with our friends at Code Pink who took um, me and Sarah from Voices to Iran. Um, if we wanted to promote democracy in the region, we would first cut loose um, the worst dictatorial regimes that we're funding around the world. And that would show that we were serious about Jeffersonian democracy. Did you have the feeling, Sean, and you're one of the few people that we've talked to on air who have been to the Majlis, the Iranian parliament, have you had the feeling that there were the seeds of democratization there? Um. People uh, were very proud of work they had done through the parliament. Um, a, uh, um, it, before the 1979 revolution, and, and keeping very much in mind the failure of the uh, uh, Iran's secular democratization process in 1953, because we overthrew Masadak, the, uh, the, 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 secular, the, the secular leader. Um, uh, the um um uh, uh, uh it's a fusion of it was it, i'm sorry um uh, ali shariati was a writer a disciple of franz fanon or an imitator of a uh, influence of franz fanon um arguing that if we're going to decolonial decolonialize mentally we have to cling to islam have an islamic government he called it the return to ourselves um and uh we have to have some sort of government the west can't quickly co-opt um and subvert and uh, so Islamic law is uh, is 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 uh, built into the law that was adopted, laws that were adopted during the revolution, very chaotic time. Um, and it's still a very chaotic system of laws with in, in great injustice, as everyone knows, uh, proceed from. Um, we had a parliamentary parliamentarian tell us um, uh, exuberantly about a change to the, uh, uh, I, I guess, a blood price in terms of rest, the restitution demanded. Um, um, following certain crimes uh, as a sort of, I, I guess, I don't know if that counts as restorative justice. It's, it's an archaic system of law. Um, and they campaigned to get the um, governing council to redefine Islamic law for them, um, to be more humane and to, uh, I believe this was a case of, of uh, um, making penalties for, for, for crimes against Muslims and non-Muslims equivalent, which is, um, would be a given in many societies, in, in theory, if not in practice. Um, the, the parliament does make changes. The, whether the, the liberals or the hardliners are in government um, does matter. And uh, um, uh, it, it matter, uh, it, it, I'm not saying it matters enough. Um, but certainly the more belligerent the United States gets, um, the, whenever the United States t takes its hardline position, the hardliners in Iran seemed to take power. The foreign minister, Jawad Zarif, who we met with, uh, he was very generous with his time, 
um, um, quipped that whenever John Bolton is in power, although he isn't now, um, the hardliners in Iran seem to take over because the U.S. takes an irrationally belligerent position. It was rather tragic to see John Bolton held up recently as the uh, hero of the anti-Trump movement. Um, um, uh, uh, but that's that's a general indicator of the poor priority that we give to foreign policy and international justice in our domestic politics. What is your opinion of those persons then who stand alone? Someone had uh, posited to me that they felt it was useless to speak out for an issue that was acceptable, was Western, was democratic, if one felt that there would be no results coming from it. Some years ago, I interviewed Shirin Abadi, Nobel laureate from Iran. She was speaking out against issues that she felt were not contiguous with true Islam and democracy. What is your view, Sean, of those who simply speak out without hope of being successful? And what do you feel this country should do for them? Ah, um, what the country should do if they're speaking out for 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 justice is <laughs> seek justice um i don't know what to say about um hope of being heard um i, I can't i i i i um, um i'm sorry I'm, I'm i'm sort of humbled to be answering a question with sharina body in it um especially after i, w I was a guest uh, of a government she's uh, um she has uh, um um, she has been uh, a, a, a hero in denouncing um, and has sacrificed a lot to denounce. Um, I, 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 our group was, uh, before I joined it, our group was named Voices in the Wilderness. Um, uh, voices are heard. Uh, voices spread. We don't know where an idea will take humanity. And after we have fought and, and failed, to, uh, for instance, to end the the uh, to, to prevent the Iraq War in two thousand and three, um, we didn't know whether we uh, prevented worse atrocities from being considered. Um, whether whether there was a meeting, folks said, "Well, you know, we we, we tried that, we can't get through, um, and, and we can't get this through," or whether we simply distracted our leaders from thinking of something worse. Whether it didn't occur to them. Um, but more importantly, we don't know whether we delayed that war a minute, uh, 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 a month, uh, a year. Um, if we think of the number, we don't know the number, but quite possibly in the millions, in, in, including knockoff effects uh, from uh, in, uh, um, um, uh, general immiseration in the country and in the region. Um, Multiply that many lives by a few extra seconds, <laughs> and uh, ideas have an incredible impact. If we knew what impact our ideas were having, if we could see that, then uh, uh, we would be uh, each, whichever one of us was had had ideas that consequential would be a dictator. Um, the work of attempting to enrich one's own life, you can have a measurable impact. You can see what you have done. Um, generally to make your own life happier if you're trying to spread that good out into the world um among a, a lot of strangers you probably won't see what the impact your words are having um although in a world with such 
in a country with such little concern, um, such little activist concern for international justice, um, there's probably a lot more impact you can have um, trying to act for strangers. It's an open field, people, um, than acting for yourself. You're, you're giving something away, but the good you're probably you're doing in the world is probably much better. And no, you will never see what it was. But uh, I think there's good reason. You mentioned hope. I think I don't know. I, I think there's good reason to hope that none of this or very little of this is lost. That this is a a worthwhile way to live your life, and it's it's a lot more meaningful than Xbox. Well said. I used an expression last week. I use it a lot on this program. It's one of my favorite uh, expressions in any language. Je suis un citoyen de le monde. Do you feel that you are, as a result of your efforts, your work, and your expertise, a citizen of the world, somewhere, and yet nowhere? I'm, um, uh, I, 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 one of, uh, again, I'm, I'm humbled before the work of, of, of the late populist Christopher Lash. Um, in several of his books, he traces the reaction either 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 directly or or tangentially traces the reaction to that idea of being a citizen of the world when we declare allegiance to a lot of strangers as opposed to declaring allegiance to our family or our country um we're declaring allegiance to people we're unlikely to meet and it becomes a fairly easy citizenship to perform uh to to be a citizen of the world and and to be at home everywhere and freedom is my religion uh, I have great respect for people who consider the foundation of their citizenship uh, to be a patriotic citizenship or or loyalty to a community or to a family because there's 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 a necessary payback thing. Um, I, I I consider myself a citizen of the United States, and that makes me responsible for what the United States does in the world. Um, and. Uh, uh, World citizenship doesn't appeal to me as much um, as, a, as, as a person partaking in humanity. I have duties using the tools to hand um, to try to make up for the terrible inequality I enjoy. Um, and when we talk about our wars, these are, there's, there are the nails that go into the hands of the Messiah. Um, I'm not making a religious statement. It's, it's, it's a belabored analogy. Um, and then there's the general state of suffocation as he dies on the cross. And our wars are the nails. But global inequality would seem to me to be the crucifixion. Um, and people all over the world, uh, uh, they, they, they can't, because of our wars, people where we are not invading can't breathe. And if I have a much more comfortable life than most humans um, uh, will ever know, then... Uh, I, uh, I, I have resources to devote uh, to atone for my citizenship here, and I have tools um, to employ because of my citizenship here. Um, and uh, merely the spiritual betterment of, uh, I mean, Dr. King's organization, they, he, he said that we, they, they, when they formed the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, our, uh, our, our, our motto was to save the soul of America. That America deserves to have uh, its conscience lightened um, by wakening into the calamity of what it is doing and how it is living. So, no, I'm I'm a citizen of the United States, um, and uh, and so it's my fault. Let's hold that thought. 
we're about to have our second station break. I do remember Dr. King saying to us and to his sundry audiences everywhere that he also did not want to be integrated into a burning house. I'd like your reaction to that statement when we return. This is Seldom Said. My name is Robert. Rome once fell, and all great civilizations do. Is America falling? Could we be doing more? Some say it's because we have stopped focusing on learning and understanding what it means to be a good citizen. That's what this podcast is all about. If civics is dead, what happens next? Subscribe to Civics is Dead on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice, or visit wcwp.org slash civics is dead. This is Seldom Said with Robert Amato. Welcome back. It's Seldom Said. My name is Robert. Special guest, Mr. Sean Reynolds, an activist with Voices for Creative Nonviolence. Sean, uh, very quickly moving into that phrase we used at the end, I'm curious whether you feel that sins, whether personal, national, or international, need be simply acknowledged or must they be paid for? How do you respond to the quotation by Dr. King that integration into something that is deteriorating simply isn't worth it? Integrating, uh, um, um, I, 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 as, as, as I hastily look up that quote with which I was unfamiliar, that his concern was that with, uh, 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 even without racism, the um, inequality uh, uh, um, awaiting um, uh, African Americans being integrated into a, a rather desperate underclass, an increasingly desperate underclass. Would would make make would make his anti-racist struggle if this if, if if at the end of the struggle you're saying okay you can be equally poor um, to an increasingly desperate population of um, uh, of, of the oppressed um, that in itself will retard the anti-racist struggle um, or the effective parts of it um, because why would people s- struggle to get into I I, I don't I mean to, I, I'm I'm not trying to and I. He wasn't, and I hope I am not minimizing uh, the horrors uh, uh, specifically facing black Americans under poverty. We do see in our society um, a focus, especially among elites, people with perhaps a bit of a Horatio Horatio Alger myth of the progress available through the market, uh, the progress available through, through, through education. Um, every child will train to code uh, on a computer, and somehow that will um, uh, they will they'll they'll all be living Silicon Valley lifestyles next year. But um, the idea that specifically a focus on etiquette, which tends to be etiquette among members of the middle class and among members at the Ivy League colleges where these theories are debated, um, a focus on the self-esteem of people in identity groups. Um, which can be narrowed down intersectionally to a different identity group for um, fairly every different person in our lives. But we never actually, the, the, the closer we narrow in on these questions of identity, uh, poverty and wealth are never an identity. This Horatio Alger myth that there is social mobility, that there are no bars uh, to wealth and happiness, um, except for racism and sexism and, uh, and the other bigotries. 
um, more reminiscent of the ignorance of the poor uh, than of the sophistication of the rich. So we come around, we not only make poverty invisible, but we blame the existing injustices. Um, uh, we, 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 we give ourselves an easy path to declaring the poor, the poor deplorables and to blame all injustice on the undeserving poor. Um, and, uh, Dr. King, um, um, famously called out the triple evils of, of racism, extreme materialism, uh, um, uh, and, 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 and militarism, uh, and, and none of, none of which could be conquered unless we tackled all of them. And he died on the first anniversary of, uh, denouncing, he seemed to know it was coming. He died on the first anniversary of that speech in which he denounced the United States empire and he denounced, uh, capitalism. Do you feel, um, do you feel then, I, Sean, I, that wealth and equality can be one and the same at the same table? Or is it virtually an economic impossibility? Wealth and inequality, wealth and, and poverty at the same table? Like I'm sorry. Wealth and equality. Um yeah, I I, I I I think we have to look at equality of results um with an idea that we won't achieve um um any but a little of the of the the the, the 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 justice we're called to achieve, at least not easily, we won't set up a system that does this for us. I think wealth inequality is um, is injustice. Any wealth enjoyed now on a, a planet with limited resources and one that people we're just not going to escape um, um, is something of a theft from from future generations, um, if not a theft glaringly from uh, uh, the rest of the world now. If we're not consuming up the world's resources in order to give it wonderful gifts of science and technology and sophistication, which will, or rocket engines, which will magically solve the problems of the future, then we have to look now into the ideal of living simply so that others might simply live. And that includes living without some of the assurances of security and uh, a Kingian word, longevity. Um, which when we cling to them mean that others elsewhere are going to be living much shorter and much more fearful lives. Um, cur courage could be seen as, uh, um, uh, a willingness to live, uh, 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 uh with a, a paucity, a poverty of security, um, so that other people could have a bit, live a bit more richly in that regard. You've spoken now for the vast part of this interview of the need for some sort of aware foreign policy. Sean, if you can click your heels, close your eyes, make the wish, and found yourself running your own school, how would you propose foreign policy to be presented to young minds? Many of the advanced placement exams we have, the regents exams we have in New York State and so forth, are really just responses to factual information, not intellectual historiography or philosophy. How would you propose setting up your own school? Oh my. Um, uh, um, I don't know that this gets, ah, Lord, I, 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 I tend not to focus on the education of the, um, of the, the, uh, the professional, uh, classes, the institutions that those schools would be training people for are going to be hard at work corrupting um, anyone we, anyone we, we matriculate, um, 
into servants of power if these decisions are only going to be in the hands of a um, uh, um, professional elite trained for the purpose, then I don't know that any amount of education would do any good. It would be education of the public um, that is most needed, and it would be the educating we can do of our leaders by holding their feet to the proverbial fire. Um, uh, once they're in office, I don't know. I, 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 um, um, I would, I, I, I mean, well, well, what I tell you, I would have, I would have the, the, the students read everything I've read and liked. And I would, with a, with a, with a definite focus on Noam Chomsky on, uh, Norm Finkelstein as regards, um, our Israeli policies, um, um, and, uh, mandatorily through counterpunch.org every day. Um, though you wouldn't have to believe all of it. And uh, I don't know. Um, and, and of course, listening to your program. But I, I, I don't have that. Um, I don't have that education. I, I would ask people to expect to be governed um, by the opinions of a public they had to educate and whose, whose feedback and opinion they had to, to get. I would expect our foreign policy institution. Um, to consider part of its job making the American people aware of the consequence of uh, of U.S. foreign policy, um, so that it could keep itself from being corrupted and captured by um, a spirited dictatorship uh, from the from the people we have to work with overseas. We don't have to work with them, um, but mostly through uh, uh, um, elites getting used to working without the interest, um, but also without the, in, in, the the influence of the public here at home. The first job of a foreign policy institution ought to be um, to empower the public um, to keep it in line, and the I, global public too, if possible. I do appreciate the allusion to my program. It's most appreciated. I'm curious, uh, you wrote an interesting article that was emailed and out there for use and perusal. Are there other articles in your future? Is there a book in your future, Sean? Do you find yourself becoming as much the writer as the activist? I heard very little of that question, but I very I've written very little uh, for voices. I uh, am very eager to uh, support the work of current activists. I I, I ought to write more, um, but uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a wealth of good writing out there. I was very glad to get out in that in that in that speech transcript the idea that. We're leaving Iran behind as if it was it's as too much in our in our in our in our domestic politics uh, as as another class of the deplorables as 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 somehow emblematic of a um, a history we're sure that progress and uh, and our increasing sophistication will leave behind us. Whereas Iranians and uh, for my own psychology, you have to go to a place and meet people. Um, I'm, I'm sorry about this. Um, I. I, I Go, traveling to Iran was an incredibly safe um, and comfortable act of tourism, but going to, to a place to find out that people aren't a pathology, but that they're, they're simply human beings, um, exactly like um, in, in all the qualities that 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 um, uh, allow me to respect or admire or like someone exactly like us, except possibly nicer. Uh, <laughs> um, and more prone to shout out uh, uh, radical slogans, which is also something I quite admire. Um, um, 
uh, it, it, it turning Iran from a, a a bunch of headscarves walking around and uh, a, a state of tyranny and gloom into a, a bunch of people who don't want to be rescued from as if you could rescue people from um, the uh, the theocracy there by blowing them up with their headscarves. I think of heroes in that country, um, Nasreen Satuda, who is in prison and facing, um, I think, some 38 years in prison, and I, I, I'm suffering and, and sentenced to 100, over 100 lashes um, um, at the hands of one of the more atavistic judges in that very um, conflicted government. Um, it, it, again, it's, 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 uh, the factions that, 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 that waged the revolution in 1979 have never fully integrated. That's a, a very, uh, a government with a lot of, uh, the hardliners and the liberals, uh, the nationalists and, uh, and the fanatics. Um, I think, does she want the women who she fought for? She is a lawyer fighting for, who is fighting for women, women's rights in Iran. Does she want those women she fought for? Uh, to die in a U.S. aerial bombardment or to um, sink further into uh, patri- patriarchal domination in stress households under in, in the state of economic collapse we're trying to impose in that country. Does she want to, herself to be bombed by the U.S. under house arrest if her position, if, 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 if the government's stance can be lightened? Or does she want to be bombed with a lot of other people in the prisons? Um, so uh, coming at, uh, uh, I, I was very happy to get to make the speech to say that Iran isn't the past and we aren't the future, that the crazier we get towards Iran, the less likely it is that there will be uh, an Iran or a US or an Iraq 10 years into the future. Um, and I'm, I'm seriously, uh, more perhaps than my colleagues here, I'm seriously um, increasingly doubtful about that, the possibility of that. If none of us are the future, then could we take some care for our fellow human beings in the present? I think we might, all of us, last longer that way and have a brighter future if we could simply not see people as deplorables and not see a process of progress inexorably moving everyone forward. We have to do the work. There will be some sacrifices. There will be some increases in our own uh, 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 uh Hardship and even danger, although I've, I've only gone to very safe places with invoices. My friends here are heroes. Um, but uh, if we could stop expecting the future to be bright um, and start working to make the present, the present uh, a bit more meaningful for ourselves by seeing the people around us as, as human now. You mentioned Nasreen Sadudah. She is, as with Shirin Abadi, there are special people on this planet. And when one just stands in their shadow and acknowledges their presence, do you have any future plans, any trips that you are thinking of for tomorrow? Um, I do not. We are working towards um, a season of. Uh, uh, we're, we're. I guess it's. Um, we're, we're working uh, on activism, tentatively around the uh, ships being built for Saudi Arabia in the Marinette ship, shipyards in Wisconsin. I can't commit us to that. I don't know what we're doing. Um, we will have future visits uh, with the Afghan peace volunteers in Kabul, and those are very dangerous trips um, that uh, uh, I wish my friends were going on, although I feel that they, they're right to go. Um, I don't know what opportunities for international, uh, for use, meaningful international travel will arise. 
and it's a very chaotic time. So I don't know later in the year who we'll be at war with. Um, um, <laughs> isn't that a wonderful statement? Um, but we will be, uh, um, um, we'll continue to work uh, uh, on ways to, to get involved uh, in interfering with the more nefarious plans of our government. Would you be ever of the opinion of planning to be part of one of those visits to the Afghan Peace Volunteers? Um, I would like to. Um, uh, that's, all, all, uh, uh, that's all I can say. I, in my own mind, relate to a discussion I had or a non-discussion with my mother in talking about the Vietnam War and whether indeed her son might be a participant if drafted. It would seem a, a difficult thing to bring up a round table and say, I am going to a place where the shadows are long. Have you come from a family that acquiesces to your beliefs? Um, um, my, uh, 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 my, my, my parents are lovely people. They were liberals. I think they, uh, they both supported Hillary Clinton against Bernie Sanders in 2016. And that was a great trauma. Um, my, um, um, my, my mother is no longer with us. Um, and, uh, I hope my father will be for some time. Um, I've always flattered myself with the idea that I would, my activism would become, um, a good deal more involved and dangerous, um, when I no longer had my parents, uh, to, uh, to worry about. And that is not a calculus that a lot of, um, um, that is necessarily sound as, um, um, I, I'm not going to come up with the reasons why 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 people should be um, fierce activists now and consider their loved ones benefited um, by that. But it's true with invoices. My own travel and my own uh, arrest record has been astonishingly tame, um, and that's something I've been promising myself I would uh, um, I would improve um, when I no longer had my family sentiment story about. Um, there are families elsewhere that uh, could definitely use um, stepped-up activism from me. Let's leave that as a promise for the future and perhaps a promise for another conversation at another time. When I've done something, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds marvelous. I look forward to the letter on my email. <laughs> this has been a, an interesting hour. Our guest has been Sean Reynolds spokesperson for Voices for Creative Nonviolence. Be with us again next time. My name is Robert. Mm -hmm.